0: So welcome to podcast 17 for another episode of The Coach's Corner. Today we have Gary O'Hanlon in the spotlight. He's our Irish national champion over the marathon distance. At the age of 43, he ran 2 hours 18 minutes last year in the Dublin Marathon. Um, he also holds the Ultra 50K Irish record. Um, I think his Dublin Marathon time was actually the fastest recorded by an Irish man over 40 so he's got a lot of experience and um, he's a successful coach bringing a lot of people down from four hours to under three hour time and I'm interested in hearing how he structures his plan and how he tailors it to meet the individual um, if you're anybody's interested in contacting Gary you can meet him on uh, Gary O'Hanlon running page on Facebook and I'd just like to thank everybody who's followed so far we've had a great following over the last few weeks with a lot of downloads and we've got a, a great lineup over the next couple of months, so keep listening in, and hopefully we'll be able to organically grow this to where it needs to be. So talking about the national championship, then 43 years of age, mm-hmm. um, it was a PB for you, two, mm-hmm. two hours 18 minutes, it was yeah. 52, 53 sort of seconds. It was two, what was it? 21852,
1: I think. Yeah. 21852.
0: Yeah. You're in great form coming into that, weren't you? Because you had two races. You had a PB just before that, even. Didn't yeah, you? I
1: had PB in the the marathon, the Berlin marathon. So it was just about breaking that, that psychological barrier, the 220 barrier. Yeah. And it was that year, it was this year, sorry, that I, I really focused and threw everything into the marathon. Like I was going out and running up marathons, but not hitting the, the, the right time, you know? Mm-hmm. But last year, I just specifically targeted Dublin. as the main goal, and Berlin, lucky enough, I broke 220, and then I just said, well, if I can break 220 without um, easing up first with mm. no taper I know I know Dublin's a much tougher course but because I know when I taper for Dublin I'll yeah. run much quicker
0: So it's a great yeah. uh, great psychological sort of advantage you got then by breaking the 220 in then yeah. really yeah. really sort yeah. of yeah. ease you into that then yeah so talking about the national championship then 43 yeah. years of age mm-hmm. um it was a PB for you Two hours, 18 minutes, it's yeah. 52, 53 sort of seconds. It was, two, what was it,
1: 2.18.52, I think,
0: yeah. 2.18.52, yeah. but you're in great form coming into that, because you? you had two races, you had a PB just before that, even, did yeah, you?
1: Yeah, I had a PB in the, the marathon, the Berlin marathon, so it was just about breaking that, that psychological barrier, the 2.20 barrier. Yeah. And it was that year, it was this year, sorry, that I, I really focused and threw everything into the marathon. Like I was going out and run umpteen marathons, but not hitting the the, the right time, you know? Mm. But last year I just specifically targeted Dublin. as the main goal. And Berlin, lucky enough, I broke 220 and then I just said, well, if I can break 220 without um, easing up for it, with mm. no taper, I know, I know Dublin's a much tougher course, but because I know when I taper for Dublin,
0: I'll run mm. much quicker. So it's a great, yeah. uh, great psychological sort of advantage you got then by breaking the 220 in then yeah. really yeah. really sort yeah. of ease you into that then yeah so how do you prepare for something like that when you know you're in such great condition the week leading up to it because it's your home race home tour well it's actually yeah. in your it's in your back garden yeah and yeah. Your, your home crowds there so yeah. what does that week look like
1: uh, leading up to it I, I can sort of lift myself up for a big occasion, something I'm getting very nervous about, and mm. something that means a lot to me. I can really sort of get myself up first. And um, in the lead up to it, I knew like the two favourites were uh, Stephen Scullion and Sergio Shibano, who are a lot quicker than me, a lot faster times. So I think that was the added bonus, knowing that they were in the race, because mm. I could I can get myself up first when I know that you know there's people to target and to. It's a to, power race. Yeah. Happen. So, um times don't mean anything at that stage, and you just say, right. So when the gun went off, it was just a matter of just running my own race and pushing hard in the second half. And um, Leading up to it, it was probably the first race I've ever ran where the taper was absolutely perfect leading into it. Okay, what did that um,
0: consist of?
1: I would have cut back about eight days before it. So I would have ran, Berlin, uh, ran a PB in Berlin, Took a few days off after that. and just eased for another maybe three weeks. I didn't do any sessions, just easy running. Mm. And I'd done a, a three-quarter marathon. and It was a much slower time than I'd done the year before, but I couldn't get myself up for it like I'd usually do before a race. And sometimes I'm like that when I know something really big is around the corner. Mm. And I, I, I can't get myself up for the smaller races, but it was still good to get like a 20-mile run in um, then came Dublin, and in the lead up to it, I, was, I plan always eight days out from to really cut back on the training load. I, I find that too many people start tapering three weeks out from a marathon, mm-hmm. and I find that they get stale yeah. when it comes to the marathon time itself, that if they're feeling like running the marathon come Tuesday or Wednesday, four days out from the marathon, that's, that's not a good sign know to try and hold that sort of yeah. hunger for the next four days i like to sort of keep the training going as long as we can up to about eight days before it, and it, the taper is like falling off a cliff you know what i mean it's right yeah. you come right back down so the week of the marathon i was i was starting to feel eager to race from around thursday
0: friday and I and says, can you feel your body then start to Mm. You know, you feel the energy sort of coming back into it and the fatigue sort of drifting.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the only- You almost get
0: excited then, aren't
1: you? Yeah. The only issue I have leading up to something like that is sleep. If Mm. I, if I can get my sleep right, then I know, yeah, I've no fear going into that. But because I've cut back my training so much, I'm doing practically nothing. I'm just wide awake all the time. Mm. I'm just looking at the ceiling, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Just saying, I can't wait to race that, that, that yeah. up. You, you, your,
0: your miles will be high, like when you say you cut back, mm-hmm. um, what type of mo- weekly mileage would you be doing in those?
1: I got up to 100 leading up to it. Um, I did one r- week of 110, and um, 113 I think I, I might have peaked at it. Um, mm-hmm. So getting in around the 100 miles, there was a period of about six weeks that I got 100 miles a week leading up to it. And I actually ran a, a sub 220 in Berlin, on almost 100 miles so yeah. I knew then I said right if I can do that so that week was almost 100 miles yeah I finished off the week on 100 miles yeah Brilliant. so I had about 70 miles in the legs going into Berlin mm. and capped it off at about 100 and I knew then going into Dublin if I do half of that I'm going to be go much better
0: so do you, do you do any sort of mental training during that week do you have any sort of rituals from a mental training perspective yeah,
1: absolutely yeah like leading up to a marathon I would go and get a, a whole new set of clothes and stuff like that. I have this total routine that I'd have brand new pair of tracks at bottoms, top, you know, stuff that I, that's very comfortable that I'm used to wearing as well, like the, the singlet and shorts that I wear, wear in Berlin, say, I'd find them, like, the, they're my lucky shorts and I have to wear them for Dublin. Like, if I arrived at at the last, like, an hour before Dublin and checked my bag and I didn't have my proper racing whole hell would break loose and yeah. I, I couldn't focus for the race so I have to have the, the same socks the same thing That, but then my gear for that weekend has to be new it's, it's mm. something it's just a silly little thing I have in my just head just little bits
0: of confidence really isn't yeah. it a bit of positive yeah. energy you're just picking up as much as, as yeah. you possibly can yeah. for the race like. yeah.
1: so I have my new casual clothes for walking around that weekend so when I'm going to the the Conrad for hanging around the hotel my nice mm. comfortable new clothes and then I have got my regular race gear, which is my lucky gear. So yeah, just have these little things in my yeah, head. Yeah,
0: brilliant. And what about fueling then for a few days before, cause there's this whole mm. like you go to the expo and there's all these pasta things and like before yeah. like and pasta would just bloat me, I'll sit in my yeah, stomach yeah. for a couple of days. Yeah. And what approach would you take for that?
1: Yeah. Well, it what's, I don't believe in uh, carb depleting mm. and carb loading. It, it's a gray area. There's no specific science to say this actually works. It was something that Ron Hill would have used back in the sixties. He's one one of the first athletes ever to go on board with it. And it's not you know, it's, mm. it's sort of being rubbish now at the minute, the same way ice bats to be kind of rubbish now that they don't really work. Um so I I don't believe in you know, harm you don't the do body anything. that way. You don't, don't, do don't believe in no, no. no. I, I, I would take on extra fluid leading up to it. Like I would take like an isotonic drink, forty eight hours beforehand, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be a believer and taking that on even during hard training sessions yeah. and periods and that, I would just start taking that on board about forty eight hours before, and um, because there is this thing that people take on too much water leading up to a marathon, What I find is that they wash out too many salts in the body and they can yeah. come hydrate the body and they can start you know it's the same feeling as being being dehydrated, uh so I, d- I do believe in taking on, um, like a sugary drink, sugar and salt drinks. I, I
0: just, um, suffer pretty bad with cramps going into places, okay. and I normally drink two or three liters of water a day, but I used yep. to increase my water. Yeah. I'm already drinking two or three liters, yep. but I was noticing I was waking up three or four times during the night and going to the toilet yep. and I believe it was just flushing out all the electrolytes out of my system, yep. you know, and then, Definitely. cause when I really stopped doing that and just ignored it, don't need to take on anything extra yep. and the cramps sort of stopped. As well, so
1: I think people have this idea that okay, they they don't drink enough water, and then all of a sudden, two days before, they start you know, (laughs) chucking in pints of water into their system. And then the night before the race, they don't get a night's sleep because they're up peeing all the time, two o'clock, three o'clock. And you don't do it on your own
0: training runs, why start now? Exactly,
1: yeah. And the same with taking gels. And that I've asked people, like, why are you taking on six gels in the race when you only take on one during a long Mm. run? So you know, you just have to do what you normally do yeah. and just try and keep it safe. So what,
0: what about the evening before then the race? Cause you're bound to be so many different emotions there, nervous, yeah. excited, restless, yeah. all of that sort of going round. How did you feel the night before that? Cause big day for you tomorrow, like the national champs, that is the one that you've been after for and you put so much into. Yeah. And there must be so much going through your mind. You're in a good place as well because Berlin's just happened. Yeah, yeah. What were the emotions you were going through?
1: of <laughs> You're nervous but but in a good way. You, know, mm-hmm. you you just can't wait for that race. And you can't wait for a battle. It's like it's like music to my ears. I've heard now in Dublin this year coming in that it's going to be loaded. Like all the right. top Irish guys are going to be there. And I can't wait for that. That's music to my ears. And I sort of get a, a buzz off that. And it'll be the say it was the same way with Dublin when I knew that say the two top guys were there and that and it was sort of you know, I, I look more forward to a battle in a race against people than I would against running against the clock. I yeah. wouldn't really get the same buzz going into a race and chasing a time.
0: What do you think the attraction of that is? Is it because it's going to take you out yourself? or?
1: Yeah, I just think that we're capable of going so much better when mm-hmm. we're not just chasing a time, you know, when we're targeting to, to, to win a title. So sort of moving into Regardless, survival mode a little bit more like exactly. isn't it trying yeah. to hang on and trying yeah. to push through
0: yeah and you've got something else to focus on i suppose rather than just holding that pace exactly that yeah. morning then when you get up um lucky enough it's just out the back door for you like so you don't yeah. have to travel and get up at three o'clock in the morning yeah um you must be wa- you're gonna wake up early anyway i suppose because yeah. you'd had a rest this night but
1: well i tell you I, i'd stay in the conrad the night before which i have done day up some of the Irish athletes up there for a couple of nights around the Dublin time so so I'm there but with the race itself and because you get picked up on the bus at eight o'clock and you're taken to the start. that's that's the routine and I would tell Paula and my fiance and this year I told her to be at mile five in Phoenix Park that's the hardest part I always find from when you cross over the Liffey, it's a climb from then all the way up mm-hmm. to Mount Sackville. So I said to her, just be at mile five. Cause that's, mentally that's the hardest bit for me. Cause the Phoenix park is one long drag the whole yeah. way up. And I said, I'm not going to be fit to go with the leaders of the, the main group at that point. They're going to definitely drop me. So we're going to be on my own. But I said, if I see my, my son, I think he was three months old at that stage. I said, if right. I see him at that point, I'll be inspired. I'll, I'll, I'll fight that a little bit more. And I was about maybe a hundred meters off the main bunch at that point. And it was that little ladder thing that, that pushed me
0: on. Yeah. Brilliant. That's excellent. So then you're coming, you've gone past the five mile marker and um, mm. sort of coming up to 10K. Mm. Um, was everything on plan then?
1: Everything was good. Yeah. I had a friend over from Switzerland, Killian Lernigan, and he was helping me at the drink stations and that. So you're allowed the lead athletes are allowed to have somebody man the drink station and hand them a drink. So you're not allowed to receive a drink from anybody on the course outside of that, I think you are okay. disqualified. So it has to be within 100 meters of the feed station. So he was there at each station. And I said to him, all I want to know is what the gap is to the, to the main Irish guy. He says, I don't care if it goes over a minute, I could be in trouble at halfway, but as long as it's under a minute, I said I have a good chance of wins. That that was going through my head because I know I can finish strong. So, I think at ten k I might have been forty seconds behind, at half marathon mark I was about a minute behind. So I knew at that point, it's now or average to hit it hard. So from about mile ten, to about three miles to go, I ran a half marathon in one oh eight oh nine. So that phenomenal. was that was the second fastest I think the third fastest half marathon I'd ever run. Done in the middle of the marathon so and that was me chasing yeah and i could just see the guys in, in in the front and i said right just try and close the gap so at what stage
0: out. did you see in them at what mile did you Yeah, I,
1: I only really started seeing them from about mile 15 and that mm-hmm. and even at mile 17 i could actually see the lead car of the race for the kenyans and, that. and i just said they're not a million miles away you know this is sort of like and
0: how are you feeling going through that stage i i
1: Funny enough, I started feeling better. The faster I was going, the better I was feeling. I started knocking at five ten a mile for about six mile, and I actually started feeling better. I felt in a better rhythm, and just and a great feeling when people were telling you the gap was now fifty seconds, it's now forty seconds, it's now thirty seconds. You know. And so it sounds just, you like you're very
0: focused, and it's just like yeah. it, it was pulling yeah. you, and you were driving forward the whole time. Yeah. You yeah. were just racing, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> really.
1: And my only mistake is that. When I went past Sergio Shibano that I didn't just kick on from that. But because I was running on my own for 22 miles, I decided to take a break with 3 miles mm-hmm. to go. And I sat in behind him. And all of a sudden I was going from 5.10 a mile to 5.30. You know, And I actually felt uncomfortable running at 5.30 mm-hmm. pace. So I should have just went on. Because I could see Stevens Scully just up ahead. And I knew that sitting behind Sergio I'd get a breather and then I'd, I'd push on again. And I stayed in behind him for maybe a mile and then I moved I moved on but I couldn't get back then to run five ten 10 pace again yeah. so it's probably a mistake the only one mistake I made in Dublin was just not moving on because I felt very comfortable at just that just lost pace. the rhythm a little bit yeah. then when you yeah. sort of back exactly yeah
0: and at what point then did you come across the front runner with a mile to go With just a mile to yeah. go yeah and um, was it full on there or could you tell that he was he was feeling it and Yeah, you just you know when
1: your things are going well and you're feeling smooth, and you know that there's more there. You just you yeah yeah. And it's your home
0: Um, race, so you've got a mile to go. Yeah. And did you feel like the crowds? You you drawing energy from them as well. Yeah, exactly. You're hearing your name being shouted out. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. The people were shouting. The Irish title is only fifty yards up the road. That's all you you know, and this sort of stuff. And this was just running through my head, and I just I felt good and. It was just a great feeling. I was coming down with a half mile to go. And I seen the Holler Street Hospital. And I I remember taking Ben out of there only three months beforehand. And I remember looking down the road and saying the finish line is only going to be four or 500 yards up from here. You know, in three months time. So a lot of things like that were going through my head. Not the race itself, but a lot what I've gone through from the year. So I became, as I said, a dad for the first time at age 43. And it was yeah so all this was going through my head and I knew he was going to be at the finish line and
0: yeah yeah that's beautiful and it was it right at the finish line you knew it was over or you you knew you had it a half mile to go
1: yeah i knew i had it from i really had a feeling i had it from about five miles out right. because when i was closing in rapidly and i knew i was still on i still wasn't going through the gears i still had a lot more there and and you, if somebody responded and it kicked down to five ten pace, like I could go quicker again. That's the way I felt. Yeah, that's so class. I remember, I think it was around mill time, and somebody screamed at me, Come on, Gary, that's it. And I think Sarah looked back or had a glance, and I go, No, I didn't want anybody to know I was coming this quick. <laughs> I just wanted to go straight through. And I think at that point, I should have really just ran straight through and, and, and chased the time down. Because I did think that you only had to win the national title to represent Ireland in the European Championships. And I was told after the race that it was a sub two eighteen, 18. And I think I could have run a sub to 18 uh, had I have pushed on, you yeah. know, from, cause the time shows I, I only ran like five 30s a mile for the last three mile, but they were actually, I should have been able to run five 10s. I should have
0: pushed on. Got it. Yeah. Um, but how did you feel when you crossed the line then? So is, is your son's name Ben, is it? No? Yeah. Is ben and your fiance was there, so you couldn't yeah. have dreamt it any better than what happened, Yeah, really. Yeah. It was just, everything yeah. came together all the one time. Because yeah. you put a lot of work and effort into that. I did, yeah. For that moment.
1: Yeah, it was just an amazing feeling when I crossed the line, it was just, wow, everything sort of clicked in. And then I was told about 30 seconds later that I hadn't won the national title, that somebody was two minutes ahead of me. I goes, what? And I was told that uh, Freddie Siddock had got, rep, got clearance to win the national title the night before and I was just so annoyed that I wasn't told because mm. you, you, you man marked the people that you're out to beat and I knew I couldn't win the double marathon overall as a top 10 to be yeah. good enough but I said I'm good enough to win the national title and I had marked Sergio and Stephen mm. Scullion as the two main guys to beat so I was pretty annoyed at the time And I knew I had a 30 minute window to make an objection or, you know, thing, but I just didn't bother. I just said, no, let it go. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the way it is. And I got a call then about two days later to say that um, he's not eligible to, to run for or to win the national title. You have to be here for six months continuous. And I think he'd flown in the night before the race. Mm -hmm. So, that was it. So th- I was declared the winner then from that, that, that was it. But, um, Brilliant.
0: yeah. So and now you've turned your, your hand to coach and you've been in it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you're on the phone. to Dolores when I came in. So it's quite busy. Yeah. I thought I'd get That's Dolores right, yeah. to shout on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and you also, you've coached myself as well. Yeah. And what do you f- think people would benefit from more or how do you think people would benefit more from a tailored plan than actually you open a magazine and one plan fits all because yeah. people's everybody's so different yeah, aren't ev- they?
1: everybody's totally different uh, one of the first things I ask people when I coach them I'd ask them give me a quick rundown on what your distances are from 5k right up to the marathon so if a guy tells me he, he's a, a marathon runner and he can run 4 hours for the marathon but he's run a a 16 45 5k well i'm telling you you're you're underachieving you know yeah, yeah. you're either you're not a marathon or you're a 5k runner and if you are running the marathon you're definitely underachieving. but i can tell by somebody's pbs that they come from a speed background or the more endurance background mm. athlete and the thing with athletes is they like they like doing what they're good at so if somebody likes doing speed work and lots of speed work it's what they do you know mm. And they're always wondering why the second half of the marathon, to fall apart, okay? But then you'd have somebody who just loves going out and just doing lots of long, slow, steady runs. And they're constantly racing themselves and training, like they're timing themselves over 10 and 12 mile runs all the time, but they're never prepared to step up to the next level where they might need to cut back on certain runs and, and run intervals or split tempos and target, better times in the long run so they're just they're caught into one pace all the time mm. so it's different athletes different fixes for different athletes so if somebody's got it hasn't got good pace you work more on the cp element of them with their training and somebody who is the opposite you
0: work mm. with and that's important to understand the person obviously and it's where the they're player. at to try and tailor a plan to move them to the next level if yeah. they coming to a coach That's ask what they're looking for, obviously, yeah. they want to move to the next level. Yeah. Um, it's not something you would really get from opening up a magazine and, you know, here you go, here's a 16-week marathon plan. What would you advise, I suppose, if I was going to take 12 months to get a PB in Dublin? Okay.
1: You see, it's different for, for different athletes. Mm-hmm. Like for me, that comes from a shorter distance background. Uh, I need longer endurance races to bring me on, while other people would need shorter races to sharpen up run mm. well. What I would recommend people do is um, slowly build up in their races, in race distance and then coming up to the race about a month before then you start using races as sharpeners mm. to get yourself ready for it. Um, but never taper for them. Always hold the taper right before yeah. you ready to go. I, I always try to describe it to people that it's like putting a, a string on a bow and you're pull, pulling the bow back Okay, and the, the strings, you're pulling it back and pulling it back, and that's what you're calling the training load on the string, okay? People might say to me, oh, I've uh, a race on next week, and it's my local race, and I really want to do well. Can we pull back a bit on the training and taper a bit? And I'd say, well, if we do that, it's gonna interfere with how you're gonna mm-hmm. do in the marathon in two months' time. So we pull back a little bit, okay? That's just like releasing the string a little bit, okay? Mm-hmm. So this, so the arrow is not going to fly as far, come yeah. time or the marathon in two months time. So you have to prepare to take the hit in the smaller races mm-hmm. to do well in the big race that you really want to target. So I'll say to somebody beforehand, and I say I really want to break the three-hour marathon. That's my ultimate goal. I say, is this your, your one big goal You go? Yes. Okay, give me two other intermediate goals and go right this race and this race. Okay. And I said, that's going to be it. Let's target these races and forget about everything else, okay? You can still run as many many races as you want, but we're not going to ease up for them. Train right through them. Yeah. Okay? But then, let's target this big race. And the more focus you have on this race, the bigger the PB. As I said to people, what would you rather, a a 20-minute PB in the marathon going from 320 to a sub 3, or would you rather five different pbs in all events but you only take about four or five minutes off your marathon time at the end of it all mm. you know so when they add it all up they realize that dublin is the big one and this is the one that they really want but they, they still find it very hard to let go and they're still yeah. chasing these like mickey mouse races, i call them
0: it must you be know? a real challenge for you as a coach i, 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 yeah. I coach a, a small group of 12 girls but it's a charity thing that we do mm. and it's, every week it's like we enter this race, we enter this race, and then this race. Yeah. And it just flatlines them. Yeah. They don't exactly. really improve. They don't improve, no. You know, yeah. you're like, yeah, well, yeah. if that's what you want to do, go ahead. Yeah. And it really it's hard for them to understand how much that's holding them back, mm, isn't it? Because exactly. it's stopping the progression, it's yeah. sort of moving on. Yeah. And when you're looking at, you talked about the string and the load there, and um, how much load are you looking at? Because I could feel it when I was going through your training plan, there's an increased. Sort of week on week, and it sort of rolls one week into the next week, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Exactly. And um, what are you, do you sort of have in your mind the percentage level that you're trying to increase, or is it different just types of techniques?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a gradual increase, it would be about 5 to 10% of an increase. Mm-hmm. You know, so it all depends on what the athlete themselves. If they're coming in with absolutely zero training, you know, you don't just increase it 5 or 10%, you probably increase it by you know if they're doing like 10 mile a week you say right we're gonna go straight up to to nearly 20 mile a week and and take it from there and if they're already on reasonably high mileage and they're doing like 50 mile a week yeah you wouldn't increase it by any more than like five to ten percent per week Mm. till you get to a certain level and you know that they can hold that and feel strong Um, so it's it's all it's all about doing this progressing very gently moving through
0: and what about your long run then? What sort of percentage of your weekly mileage that do you think that should be? It's, huge,
1: I, it's usually around 80-20. So intense work would be about 20%. And then, you know, easing back would be about 80%. Okay. You
0: know? Because um, we talked about the Hanson Marathon Method there a few weeks ago on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And one thing that came out of that for me was, you know, a lot of people, like 50 to 60% of their weekly mileage is their long run. Yeah. and they're not really getting that balance or strength into yeah. um, the legs or maybe overtrain them maybe in a, in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the type of approach that you would take about mm-hmm. ensuring that your long run isn't 40 or 50%?
1: Exactly. like The whole idea of the long run is you shouldn't be going into the long run fresh. And this is the big, big mistake that a lot mm-hmm. of people do. They think, okay, I've got up to my 18, my 20, my 22 milers. A lot of people would say to me, what's the longest run that you would give your athletes, I'd say about 20, 21 miles, that's enough. And i go, but what about the 25s and 26s? Like, that's okay. You can run the 26 mile in Dublin when you're tapered and you're fresh and you're ready to go for it. But if you're doing sufficient mile during the week, the longest long run you should do is about 20 mile. Okay, so if you're going out and you're running like six and seven miles per day off a of volume, with no rest day the day before your long run, you're going into that long run tired as it is. Yeah. You're not going into it fresh. So that's why the long pace run should always be about 20 seconds slower than the long run, than the race, sorry. Yeah, because when you go to taper for the race, you're gonna feel so much fresher. Mm. And you'll be, you'll be able to run that, no problem at that pace, that you're required 20 seconds quicker than the, than the long pace run. Um, it should be more at what you can do for a tempo run that mm. should be the pace that you should be able to hold for a marathon so when i would start people on tempo run it might only start at like five or six miles and the best way to describe a tempo run would be at a pace you feel you could run nearly double the distance when it comes to a race so if like i said a five mile tempo run it would be at a pace you feel you could hold for 10 miles in yeah. a race situation okay so when I start off my athletes, I might only start them on three or four mile tempo runs. And i would be adding on one mile per week, half a mile to one mile per week. And gradually we build up. The longest I would give of a tempo run might be 12 mile. And I'll tell all my athletes, if you can run 12 mile at gold marathon pace, I have no doubt in my mind that you can't go out and run um, the time required for that marathon. Mm-hmm. So if you can go out and you can run twelve mile at six fifty two pace, there's no questions about it. You can go out and you can break three hours for the marathon. Yeah, especially Enough. during your load week isn't During it? during your load time, yeah, Which exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because
0: I remember during the plan I had had, <coughs> and I got a PB in Dublin, and it was the week before Kona Kilty, I think it was, <laughs> and I had a loaded week. It wasn't the week. It wasn't the days leading up to it, but it was the week before that. And I'd loaded a week of about 60 miles. Mm. and I just put my trust in you. I said, okay, yeah. normally you'd be tapering at this time. And I had a 10k race on the Saturday, which I went and PB'd. And the next day I had a half marathon to run. So mm. I phoned you and you said, no, no, you'd be grand. You go out and do the 13 miles at that pace. And I was a bit skeptical of it, but i put my trust in you and I went out. And after a couple of miles of tired legs, you know, it just kicked in. It was grand. Actually, yeah. it was really strong. Yeah. Um, coming to chronic Kilty then exactly a week later after doing 60 miles, um, it was the best marathon, the strongest marathon i would ever run mm. because the second half of the marathon was the strongest I'd ever felt. Yeah. And I could tell when I look back, it was running those 13 miles on those training blocks that I had going into those fatigued mm. really, isn't it? Because mm. you're, exactly, yeah. You're really training for the second half of the marathon, isn't it? Exactly,
1: that's it. Like people have this idea that the trying, you know, going back even to going for paces for the marathon, I try and get out of people's heads about the negative split or the positive split. You always think of even split, okay. Mm-hmm. But if you are strong enough and well trained, you can negative split. You can run the second half of the race quicker because the last couple of miles you can really kick in hard. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that you should be thinking about going out and doing negative an splits. split. You should always be thinking of running even. Okay. And I always tell my athletes, just keep a, an eye on the first three mile, don't get carried away. And once you get the first three mile done, don't look at the watch, just run the rhythm from then on, okay? Just you, because you, if you're going, we'll, we'll bring out the three and a half hour mark, just for instance, it's eight minute miling, I think, okay? So if you're targeting a three and a half or a marathon, I'd always say to my athletes, go out at eight minute mile pace, okay? You'll be stuck in the pens before the marathon, and everybody's nervous and they're jittery, and the gun goes off, and next thing, somebody's at seven thirty pace, and they're saying after the race, "I jog jogging, I felt great, it was seven thirty pace, not a not bother me," and then it slipped down to seven forty five, and before I knew it, it was eight minute mile pace, and then it was eight ten, eight twenty, and there's only one way that's going to go, you know, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse, yeah. you know. So it's so easy to go off too quick in the first couple of miles in the marathon because you're looking at some guys and look at the size of him, he shouldn't be ahead of me or look at that old fella there, there's no way he should be ahead of me. So they're running somebody else's race instead of yeah. their own race. So I'd always say, keep a look at the watch for the first three mile. Once those three mile are out of the way, you're going to be into a comfortable rhythm and it, the pace won't fluctuate much after that. So you're not going to go eight minute mile, eight minute mile, eight minute mile for the first three mile and then drop to a 7.20 that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. It might drop to a 750, but there's going to be no harm in that, okay? So it's it's just important to get the first three mile right, and then forget
0: about the watch. So just engage in that rhythm really and get exactly. yourself used to Because that's what you've yeah. done in training, you've, you've trained for exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it must be the biggest mistake for club runners, and I know for my first 10 marathons, I knew I was going too fast, but you sort of relate going fast, too fast is like a minute a mile or, 50 seconds too quick but it's not 20 seconds a mile is a lot of distance over a mile continuously for 26 miles and i really struggled with you know my training runs were perfect every time because you're hitting the pace all the time you're a lot more disciplined it's only you yeah Yeah. so as you say you're just running your, your your own training race yeah and there's so many club runners just fall into that trap you know people are excellent runners and they're just gonna fall into it. And yeah. it's understanding what actually what going out too fast is. So twenty yes. seconds a mile can be too fast. Yeah. And if you yeah. can get as close to that as possible, mm. uh, your actual um race pace, mm. you have a better chance of maintaining that. Yeah. Cause you're going for seven thirty uh, three thirty and people just go out for seven thirties. Mm. And they're as you say, banking time. Mm. I I actually haven't met anybody yet who's banked time and hit their target. No. No. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah.
1: And for a confident thing as well, it's terrible when you start looking at the watch and it's getting slower and slower and slower. (laughs) And it's getting harder and harder and harder. And you just don't recover
0: from that. And people start to overtake you.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So So I used to love seeing the plan come through because you couldn't make it up. It's so diverse and there's so many different types of training sessions in it which is great because mm. it stops you from getting bored and it, it mixes yeah. up and it's great on the new garmin watches now because you can just go into garmin connect and plug in the plan yeah and when you click start on the watch oh, so that's what i'm doing today then yeah um can you talk me through some of the sessions then and what they actually do for you so hill repeats is a basic one that people understand but what does it actually it's not to make you stronger running uphill really yeah. it's more than that
1: it's like whenever i draw up a plan it, i usually carry about five different principles of training different types of of training uh, one would be the hill session we'll, we'll talk about now uh, one would be a tempo run which i said it would be roughly about five seconds per mile uh, faster or slower than gold marathon pace for me it's usually about five seconds slower than actual gold marathon pace i'm going at and um, the long pace run about 20 seconds slower than gold marathon pace and i'd usually try and kick in the last four mile at golden marathon pace, closer to the marathon time itself. Mm-hmm. Um, there'd be split tempo runs, which I would give would could be anything like three by three mile um, at half marathon pace with a floating recovery. And what I mean by the floating recovery, it might get you to run a half a mile of your recovery and at about 30 seconds slower than golden marathon pace could be six by a mile with a quarter mile floating recovery hmm. and it could be six by a mile at 10k race pace with a quarter mile recovery and about 20 seconds slower than gold marathon pace so these are just some of the sessions and i mm-hmm. I, I work around them and um, going towards a goal of dublin so i look at dublin say four months out so we're looking more on the strength side of things early on so endurance would be key at this point okay for the first 10 weeks of it, key, the, the long pace run and the tempo run are key. Mm. Yeah. And then sessions start becoming equally as important with about six, seven weeks through the plan to go before the main race. So sessions, like as I mentioned there, six by a mile or three by three mile, they became, become equally important. Then as we're coming up to the actual marathon itself, Two weeks before then we kick in with more speed work. fast turnover mm. stuff you know so it might be a session of like 20 by 400 and why is that coming to the marathon you it's just that getting in. that rhythm getting getting that speed that's why i always try and get somebody to run a fast 10k maybe two weeks out before a marathon and maybe mm. a 5k or five mile race a week before the marathon so it just gives you that extra few gears and so you don't it just so gets like you don't really years. want
0: to sharpen that up in the first month of the marathon because no. you're not no. going to hold it I suppose that's the idea, is it? Yeah, it's
1: it's it's like why you describe it's like building a house, so your miles, your long runs, endurance work is the foundation. Mm. Okay, think of it as your tempo runs or like the walls of the house. Okay, think of it, the speed work is like the chimney, It's like the roof and the chimney. Okay, so you think about it like that. That that's Mm. that's what you're looking at in training. Okay, if you're just doing speed work, you you can't build a a roof in a yeah. bog it's just going to sink you know you can't just do long fast tempo runs because it's like building walls in a bog mm. without a foundation you need to have the foundation you need the miles to back this all up that's why when I was saying when you were training with me you were able to go out for, for runs where you're feeling tired but they got easier as they went along Yeah. and that was due that you had that background of miles in the legs and that's the foundation and that's what you mm. get in early on in the training load
0: Brilliant. you know like and the, the likes yeah. of hill repeats, then, because mm. you said a thing to me that I I had never thought of, but it was really to strengthen your sort of toe off, isn't it? Like, yeah. get, get you yeah. used to. Get the body strong, yeah. And get you used to lifting your knees as well. and yeah. Because um, there's more in those sessions than just. Because people resonate with hill repeats as just actually getting you stronger to run up hills, but they're not. They get mm. you faster on the flat, mm. don't they? Because they strengthen your sort of toe off. Yeah. And um, the sessions I loved were those split sessions, as you say, maybe three by three. So three miles at a certain pace with a fluent recovery and then another three miles. Mm-hmm. And I find it strange because when I went to the Great North Run last year and I hadn't really run under 7.15s or and my tempo runs I think were like 7.20s. Mm-hmm. But then I felt extremely comfortable and I ran 7.07s. Yeah. And I was actually disappointed in myself at the end because I got to mile 12. I didn't realize it was at mile 12, which was unusual. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was at mile 11. Yeah. And it was mile 12 and I just dropped it on the last mile. I had so yeah. much left in the tank yeah. and, but I hadn't trained for a 707 as such, mm. okay. but you had done like 16 quarter mile repeats, you mm. know, 400 meters, yeah. you know, and you were sitting at like five fifties for those for your recovery. Yeah. And it was amazing to see it come together. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's not when people have training sessions on their own and they're they sort of follow a training plan and trying to run eight minute mile, Mm. you're out running eight minute miles yeah so there's good substance behind all those different type of techniques yeah yeah. sort of
1: a training plan has to be working towards an area it has a certain direction and Mm. it's as we said early on you're building the foundation and
0: what's the biggest mistake that you find with people following your plan
1: i think they want results straight away they want instant results and i always tell them You'll actually feel that you're going backwards before you're going forwards for the first two months. You'll actually be going in reverse. Mm. You know, but you're getting fitter all the time, but it looks like you're getting slow. You know, they might say to me, "Oh, I've done my local five k park run there, and it's actually the slowest I've ever run." it. And I go, "Well, that's just part and parcel. So that's that's <laughs> that's going to be natural. You know, Um you you just have to adapt to this training load. And once mm. you adapt to it, you're going to feel so much stronger.
0: It's you know? almost like you're trying to cross over, isn't it? like mm. what it, when and that's what i felt like it's almost you're almost a breaking point you think you're going to break but actually actually transcend into a different sort of load that you're yeah. able to maintain that then yeah and that's what i've noticed with some of the good runners that i know who have sort of elevated to the next level you are like mm. how's their body able to cope with that yeah. but they put that groundwork in
1: exactly yeah
0: and they've just been very consistent with their training load as well yeah. you know there's people that have been extremely consistent and then able to maintain a lot more load. Mm. Um, I think the biggest mistake, I find this really hard, and you must get really frustrated with this as well, when you start feeling the strength coming, mm. and your plan tells you to go out to 720s and you go out and you on sevens, so yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to hold back Yeah, when yeah. you start feeling this newfound strength coming in. Yeah. What would your advice be to stick to the plan, obviously? Well, well, yeah, <laughs> apart from that. The, the reason a lot
1: of people have this idea that they just go out and they run, and every day is a competition where they're just going out and say, as you were saying there, they're going out and they're running like seven minute miling, and they're just going out and they're doing that all the time. But in a rare situation, if they're trying to run a 10k or, or, or that and the time they want to run requires them to run 6.30s, and they can't do that because they're so comfortable running seven minute miling. And what, the thing about it is, your body becomes used to running a certain time that is so used to running. So the more you're running at that, Mm. Pace, the more economical you become at running that pace, and that's you don't like getting out of your comfort zone. So that's why a lot of my training is right, okay. so much faster than race pace, so much slower than race pace, where you just get that sweet point, and so, that's that's what you're yeah, aiming for. So it's
0: because really important cool. to mix it up. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it helps you so, obviously when you're fatiguing as well, and being a push forward and things like that. Yeah.
1: So if you're looking at seven minute mining is what your goal pace that you're targeting, you know you're going to be doing repetitions at. At say six thirty pace, but you're also going to be doing long pace runs at seven twenty pace. You're going to be doing tempo runs at seven minute pace. So you're getting that sweet point where you're working around. Um. So again, it's just getting out of your comfort zone, and so many people are just so in interested in the pace that they want to run, and it's it's sort of like a fight match you sometimes have with people trying to tell them, you know, we all love doing what we're good at. But we hate doing what we're bad at, and this is what I when I'm coaching athletes, I look at what times they ran in all various distances, I see a weak point there, I know what, I ask what they're doing, what training they've done in the past, you know, you look by their times and what 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 you think they're capable of doing, and what way you have to work around, and how you have to change things to get the best results mm-hmm. out of them, and a lot of them don't like doing that, but it's like everything else, what you don't like doing is what makes you stronger. Mm-hmm
0: it's sort of, it's sort of going against what the mind wants you to do because your mind yeah. just trying to protect you isn't it really mm. and as you say that's the reason why you like doing what you're good at and exactly. what makes you feel comfortable yeah um and that's what i used to love about the plan so i would have seven miles progression progression i thought yeah i can do that mm. but i've got three minute recovery and I have to do it again it's yeah. <laughs> like yeah. is this man mad yeah but you go out and you do it and it's a real fist punch moment you're like wow there's no way I would have pushed myself to do that yeah well actually i felt comfortable doing that which you really surprise yourself time and time again yeah. so i think that's one of the benefits of having a coach is it really forces you to step outside mm. of your comfort zone yeah because training plans you can sort of like a 16 week training plan you look in a magazine yep yeah, i can do that it's just going through the the motions really yeah yeah. But it's not really challenging you or understanding you as an individual, really, I suppose. Yeah. How, how do you determine then the difference between overtraining or just fatigue? Um, or how, how, how can you recognize, mm. I suppose?
1: Yeah, it's a, like it's all right to get exhausted in training, mm. but it's not good to be tired all the time. That's to be a point, you know. And if it's, if it's interfering with your sleep, then you know that you're overcooking it. If you're getting to the point where you're overtired and you're not sleeping well, then that's a point where we know that we need to back off. Mm-hmm. We need to pull back on the trailing load.
0: So and, and that's it, really? That's,
1: that's the yeah. If you start and you're getting mouth sores or ulcers and you're not yeah. sleeping well and, and that and you can't concentrate on things, you know you're overcooking it. There's a point of being fit and then overcooking it. So you mm-hmm. just have to get it. There is a, a point where you just go, right. You just, you just have to listen to, to your body, back. really, and just exactly, know yourself, yeah. really, yeah. I suppose. And it's the same with injuries as well. You know, you just Mm -hmm. have to know your body and know when to stop and when to pull Mm -hmm. back. And don't become a slave to the training diary where you're saying, okay, I have to keep up my 60 mile a week because this is what it says in the diary. And if I don't do 60 mile a week, then I'm not training. That's completely rubbish. You have to know when you have to stop, pull Mm -hmm. back, skip two days and keep on going. Um, Instead of just trying to train right through it, and end up missing two months with a stress fracture or some Mm -hmm. other serious injury so you just have to know your body so there's two two types of athletes there's athletes that you have to um, encourage and motivate but the funny thing is there's actually more athletes that you have to pull back Mm -hmm. and tell them that they're doing too much and you need to pull back Um, because i think in athletics and running and especially in long distance running it's like an addiction that we feel like we have to get out there and we have to do it and we're not happy unless we get our training load done and get our, um, and it's actually harder for somebody not to run than it is to run. Like, you, you could yeah. say to somebody on the street, how do you run 10 mile every day? And they would say, well, it's actually harder not running 10 mile a day, being injured and watching everybody else out running. Yeah. So, that's the sort of athlete, you know, you have to tell athletes that are injury prone, you know, to pull back. And a lot of them when you're looking from the outside looking in, you can see a lot more than they can themselves, mm-hmm. you know? And you, I know that when I'm training people in my groups, various groups and that, you know, you can see somebody who's struggling and they'll say, oh, can I just finish off this session because I'm not right, I have an injury here, but I really want to get the session done. I said, you're going to be crippled now for the next week if you finish yeah. this session. So you'll tell them, no, stop, you know? And mm-hmm. you, you, you feel it worse in the world or they'll think you're the worst in the world for telling them to stop, mm-hmm. but you have to listen to the body.
0: I sort of cringe when you're at the starting line of the marathon. You see people with braces around their knees, and you just yeah. look and you're like, yeah. You see so many people, and, you and you're like, you should not be here today. should yeah just exactly. Pick the next race, yeah. you know, and get over that. Exactly. Um, you've had a, I've seen a lot of posts up on Facebook that people put up. Um, you've had some brilliant successes with people. Is it Dolores yeah. there? You just had on yeah, there, so she's yeah. a perfect example. Exactly. Yeah. Um, can you talk to me about a couple of those that sort of stick out in your mind who have been phenomenal?
1: yeah there's There's so many of them
0: there's so many of them if there's one goal i
1: have i haven't got somebody down from a four hour to a two hour something marathon but that is something that i'm working on now at the minute with a couple of my athletes they're on a 420 and they're they're down to a 303 at the minute so i'm hoping to get them under the under the three hour but you know there's 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 a lot of athletes that i'm very very happy with one in particular now that stands out would be probably Shane McSherry, um from Armagh, and um, he was running with the Armagh, um, running club there, and he had a three fifty seven marathon, and yeah. he wanted to he you know he wanted to break I think three thirty, and I got him down to two fifty three. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So that was that. You was must be really very proud really, of that when you see yeah, that Yeah, I it? know it, it always stands out in my head, and you know he. He was a, a dad of two two young kids. He was in his early 40s at the time, 43, I think. And That's you know, amazing. And, and he hadn't an easy job either. He used to work from, I think it was like four o'clock in the morning till, till three, you know? And, you know, he had a busy life, busy schedule yeah. and that. So he was the one person that you couldn't say he had it easy. You know what I mean, that he, yeah. he hadn't got the lifestyle
0: because there is a there is a balance there that makes it difficult. So some people yeah. are phenomenal. They they work five night shifts and they're still mm. pushing out these amazing times, like yeah. like even around 340s or depending on what they've got. Like four kids, they're working night shift or they're breaking three thirty. Yeah. And it's phenomenal because yeah. you don't know what people are trying to manage in their yeah. environment. Yeah. Um. So when you see somebody come from that time. Exactly. Yeah. Down to a, a sub three hours. Yeah. Because. I always have my head is like twenty five percent marathon on his break four hours. I don't know what it is that breaks three hours.
1: It's one point six, I think, percent. Just you know, I mean three. So it's a big, yeah. A, and then once you go a minute under three, the percentage start <laughs> yeah. really coming down. So the time that he ran, I think he's probably in the top one yeah. percent, or top point zero seven percent or something like that. So yeah, that that was phenomenal. That that really stood out. And um, there was a guy called Anthony Flannery. who was one of the first athletes I ever coached, and. He had it at 3.58 and I got him down to 2.50. And that was within a six-month period. Yeah. So that was good. That was over the air. So three is the golden egg. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It's a phenomenal time. It is a big, yeah. Um, Dolores now is a great example. Like Dolores has been running for a few years. And I think it she, I took her down from about three and a half down to a 3.08. And she ran that at like 50 years of age. So
0: That's that was phenomenal. Phenomenal, yeah.
1: And down to 126 for the half marathon. You know, yeah, so
0: I actually think I did see her on Facebook. Like, so.
1: Oh yeah, she's um, phenomenal times mm-hmm. now. She's run and that, and I always believe it's 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 not all to do with natural talent, but how much you really want something. Mm. You know, and there's certain athletes that will do the work, and they you know, it's a work ethic that they they'll do. And like Dolores is a busy woman. She's a dentist, and she's a couple of operations to run as well. So she's on her feet all day and mm. she's working hard and sometimes she could be in working 12-hour shifts.
0: It's like, find, find your you way, know, like, isn't it, really? Exactly.
1: You, you, you know, people will find excuses and other people will find a way and mm. that. And I would find this, people will contact me asking me to coach them and then they'll say to me then about a week later, oh, I can't do this because like um, I work like seven hours a day or eight hours a day and I, I don't. And I always say, you only need six hours to sleep or seven hours to sleep. You know, you only need eight hours to work. Mm. You One hour of your day is only 5% of your day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you can find that that hour somewhere. If that means getting up at half five in the morning and getting your hour run in or your hour session and you'll find a way if you really if you really want something, you'll do it.
0: That's it. Because a lot of people are just looking for shortcuts. Exactly. So you're bound to get yeah. that. And yeah. um, that's why the magazines and this and that, it's just the world that we live in at the minute. Everything is just handed to us on a plate. Yeah. And people would just love the magic, um, yeah. whatever that shortcut yeah. is. But just doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. And the people that have gone through those times have been great, has shown great discipline, put a lot of good work into that. And have you have to rebalance your life a little bit, don't you? Because yeah. you can't just oh, take yeah. on a, a plan like this and just fit it in without making changes. Exactly, exactly.
1: It's it's like every, everything else. People are always looking at other people and saying, well if I had that job that he had, I could do that. Or if I had um, the facilities that, that person has, I could do this, you know? And I used to listen to this for ages, and people used to say to me, oh, but once you reach your 40s, oh, your running's going to be gone, yeah. you know? And once I reached 40s, I started getting quicker. And then people said, oh, once you have, oh, if you have your children, you'd know all about it. And then <laughs> once, once Ben was born, I started running quicker than I ever ran. Yeah. And it was all became that you became busier, and you're just trying to balance things out, and... So he'd be up at six o'clock in the morning and that would be me out the door for my run mm. because you know, you, you just adjust things. So that's there's no such thing in having a lie in or a sleeping and you weren't getting sleep, but any time you did get sleep you know, you felt like Superman. So you you just adjust your, your lifestyle and your body mm. and if you're in a happy place in life there's nothing that you can't achieve. Yeah. That's what I believe. And if you really want something, you know, you you, you can do it. It's success in running boils down to a little bit of talent and a little bit of hard work but a lot of consistency Mm. that's what it is consistency is the is the biggest key brilliant that you're willing to commit yourself to it okay and it's not going to be success overnight it's not going to be something that's going to be five or six weeks you're looking at more like four or five months excellent and it takes about two months before you really just start to kick in to feel that benefit of a bit of hard work a bit Mm. of hard training
0: so you have to be in it for the long term. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. If somebody was interested in um, contacting you to be coaching, how, how would they contact you?
1: Probably just through my running page would be the best thing, Gary O'Hanlon mm-hmm. running.
0: Is that on Facebook? Just or, say, yes, or, yeah. just to send me
1: a, a private message on
0: that. And so two hours 18, that was actually, that's a record, isn't it, for over Yeah, 40? it was the Irish
1: record. I think it was the fastest time in the world for a 43-year-old last year yeah that's phenomenal isn't it (laughs) in the world yeah let alone
0: irish record
1: it was the yeah i won the berlin masters and the london masters so i i my goal is to try and win all the the master titles i'd like to win boston and new york that'll be extremely there's a lot of good athletes coming into that age group now there's like your man meb clavasky is it Mm. from um and different guys like that so yeah, it, it, it's, it's a tough category now because you have a lot of good Kenyans are still floating about
0: at, at that age. So. And you've done the 50K. You hold the Irish record for the 50K yeah, as well, yeah, don't you? Yeah, 254. 254. Mm. <laughs> you can maybe do me a plan for sub, <laughs> sub three hours and 50K. So, Gary, thanks very much. I really appreciate you welcoming me into your home today. Yeah, um, it's no been problem. a true pleasure. I look yeah. forward to my next training plan, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: we'll get you going on to the next level. Cheers, yeah. Gary.
0: So I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. Um, I'm feeling extremely inspired now to go and focus on my speed and get that marathon time that I've been searching for um, for the last few years. Extremely inspirational to run two hours, 18 minutes. Um, it has been a great story, a great insight into how to structure a plan. I'd just like to thank you again for following the Inspirational Runners podcast. Um, I hope if you're listening and you haven't downloaded Podbean, Um, please do it now just download the Podbean app and search for the inspirational runner doing so really helps support the podcast and it's something I want to continue doing Um, so if you're enjoying it please download the podcast and share and like it on the Facebook page